0: You're listening to a Tone Network production, putting heroes on trial because someone has to.
1: everybody. I'm Sono.
0: And I'm Amit, and you are listening to Moonspeak. I'm a magical girl rookie, and Sono is a vet, so prepare yourself to be enchanted as we delve deep into each act. And this episode, uh, we're discussing Sailor Moon Crystal Act 5, Makoto Sailor Jupiter. Yeah. This has happened a lot in a few anime or manga that I've read, and I meant to research it, but hopefully, um, Sono has a great answer to this, uh, I'm surprised that Makoto lives alone, and I just wonder how that's possible.
1: Uh, Makoto living alone is actually a pretty big deal for her as a character. There's a very, very specific reason uh, in her history as to why she lives alone. I forget exactly when this comes out in the manga. I think it may come out a bit sooner uh, in the first series, but I do assure you there is context for it. It is something that we do find out why.
0: That's nice to know. Um I'm just thinking the last thing I remember having that was uh his and her circumstances and, and the character who was living alone had like a really awful relationship with his parents and like kind of emancipated himself, I guess. So, um
1: Yeah. Um I know there's a lot of different it shows up a lot in a whole bunch of different series. Uh it's pretty common these days for main characters for there to be missing parents. But um I think it was a lot less common when Sailor Moon was happening. Uh, and it's a lot less common within Sailor Moon itself uh, for parents to be completely missing, as Makoto's are.
0: Yeah, and and uh, you know, I remember being shocked at seeing you know both of Usagi's parents. So that's cool—the um, potential to see more of you know. More of the Sailor Guardian's parents, eventually. Yeah. Okay, uh, so uh, Tuxedo Mask uh, knows where Usagi lives, which uh, kind of surprised me. And again, how is this possible? Um, and it seems like it might be rooted in his uh, Luna sense.
1: Yeah, well, at this point, he's clearly figured out who Usagi is outside of Sailor Moon. He At the dance, he clearly knew who she was enough to go up to her. And we found out in episode four that her dad is a pretty pro- high-profile journalist. And since they live in the same area, I can't imagine it was too hard to figure out where she lived. I mean, it's kind of creepy that he knew which window was hers, <laughs> but which means he had to, like, stake out her house a couple times. Right. But, I mean, it probably wasn't too hard finding out which house was hers.
0: I'm sure he... Uh... You know, took a bag of chips and said, This is definitely just for research, right? <laughs> of course. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's funny. Okay. So, uh, let's see. Uh, once again, Usagi's good nature and warm heart saved the day. And not to discredit, um, Makoto at all or the other girls, but her reaching out to her, uh, made the difference. It created a change in, I guess you could say, the status quo, that without that, things would have had to have played out differently.
1: Yeah, it really did, because, I mean, even just before that we see, Makoto is so used to the way people treat her. She's so used to everyone being afraid of her that she's just like, well, whatever, I'll go eat somewhere else then. And, I mean, this is, again, a really good show of how, of Usagi's ability to not be influenced by the opinions of people around her. She sees people just completely as they are. Um, Mako had protected her a co- multiple times and over before this, their real conversation, and then gave her food, which Usagi is basically a stray cat. <laughs> Give her food and she'll follow you forever. Right. But Makoto never gave Usagi any reason to believe she was a threat. So, to Sagi, she was nothing to be afraid of. She was just this nice, really tall girl who makes good food.
0: Yeah, um, I'm sure it's not there, but the way you phrase that almost makes it feel like there could be a a sense of, you know, her, Makoto being like a maternal figure. I mean, but that's, it could be uh, subconscious, I suppose.
1: No, that, you're definitely reading that right. Makoto does get kind of maternal. Uh, It's very much part of who she is uh, to really protect and take care of people and try and provide for them.
0: Okay, cool. (laughs) Uh, And I think that's... um, In most shows where it's a male cast that happens to have a few women in it, that sort of thing isn't uh, always the best thing to show. Um, But I, I think it's cool because there are so many choices offered in this show or in the, you know in the series Sailor Moon of of you know what kind of girl you can be like um yeah. that you get to really see all the facets and and that's an important one and it's very healthy of uh Takeuchi that she didn't reject that to show a st- especially a, a girl who's so strong apparently and
1: <laughs> yes it it's whom who Makoto is is so very important and I think th- a lot of girls really related to her because she was, again, very, very strong, very physically capable, but she's also very, very feminine. Makoto is a very feminine person. She loves to cook. She loves pretty things. She wants to be a bride. And I think for uh, Takeuchi to handle it that way was such a good choice instead of giving those traits to someone like Ami, who is much more subdued. Whereas Ami has ambitions of being a doctor. So a more subdued character has this kind of big major dream where this big kind of tomboy character has this really feminine dream. And I think that's a really nice way to kind of explore any kind of girl can be any kind of girl she wants.
0: Yeah, definitely. That's that's pretty awesome. I, uh, <laughs> I just had... Um... <laughs> My my young child uh, Talking about how big her muscles are The other day <laughs> And I thought like oh that's so funny <laughs> That she just randomly brought that up I have really big muscles so I can help you with this Okay yeah sure Aww. yes you do <laughs> <laughs> That's so sweet Yeah uh, Okay moving on um, The twist on uh, damsels in distress Is fun to see uh, In theory I guess uh, But then the brides uh, to be must feel pretty awful About their grooms disappearing on them
1: Yeah, they do touch on the fact that Naru's cousin was really worried about her groom and what may have happened to him. And, I mean, it must have been really hard for all of the brides to be separated from someone they loved so much, especially right before their wedding, when that kind of feeling is really at a huge high. And, I mean, I'm sure it would have been hard for the grooms, too, had they been conscious. (laughs) Right. Um, But they weren't, so I'm... I can't really say for that, but this this sort of thing seems to be a recurring theme within Sailor Moon uh, of people being cut off from things, and I mean, even specifically within the girls, Ami was cut off from the concept of friends separating being separated from friends by studying. Ray was cut off from the concept of uh, developing really any kind of bond with anyone. Uh, due to her psychic powers I think this is a circle that the story keeps running in uh, for very deliberate reasons but they keep taking very interesting routes with it
0: Yeah I'll be interested to see how that bears out in the future because the first thing I thought was not something interpersonal with the characters but the um, I don't know the 666 hell bus. Um, because that was, you know, explicitly taking people away to this, you know, f- was it the fifth hill or the sixth hill? Anyway, but uh, the sixth hill, okay, yeah, yeah, the sixth hill, um, and they were all missing for a time. A- and you're right; um, I-, I think it happens on both levels. Uh, it's oblique, and then it's also, you know, you have to look beh- under the surface to see that it's there with the characters too. So that's an interesting point that I'll have to keep an eye on.
1: Yeah, and again, uh, uh, Naoko is a very, very talented writer to be able to do this and not have it be so heavy-handed.
0: Yes. I've, <laughs> I've especially been having trouble with heavy-handed writers lately.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay. Uh, let's see. Uh, okay. So, uh, Furuhata looking so much like Makoto's unrequited and then coming on to her in such a, uh, it is such a good play. Um, it hurts and it 's dirty, but it works uh, so well for the dark kingdom folk, uh, you know particularly nephrite. Um, he speaks against uh, human emotions and uh, i don 't know if he called out love specifically, but he definitely was saying like yeah you 're weak and i 'm going to exploit that weakness you know brutally to get what yeah. I want, yeah uh let's see uh the tone of the amorous or erotic i don't know what you want to call it it's you can kind of split it because she was feeling love but then by the end where he uh he had her up against the wall it seems a little more than that it was
1: yeah it was definitely uh it definitely leaned toward physical
0: yeah but i mean the, the good thing about it was the tone of that um it was powerful enough to be impactful, but it was handled delicately, and many writers can t- uh, learn from Takuchi, here and kind of in general, <laughs> it seems.
1: Yeah, um, she really did handle this so well. Makoto was never actually physically harmed during that exchange. I mean, at most, she was pushed up against the wall, but that even that wasn't done in a violent way. Um whereas i feel a lot of things that would try and pull this sort of storyline nowadays would have done some sort of violence there and at least ended up with her shirt somewhat torn before any anyone had kind of stepped in and it that sort of thing feels really common these days to re, disappointingly so And it's really refreshing to look back on something that handled that a bit more delicately. Um, Makoto's reaction to the fact that this was all a setup and a lie, though, felt really, really wrong for me in the context of this narrative. Uh, This scene in the manga, how it played out, uh, Makoto never really blacked out. Uh, She was still held a hostage in the same way, but when she found out that this had all been a trap and it was Nephrite kind of manipulating love and using love to hurt people, her immediate reaction wasn't to get sad over the fact that she had been tricked. It was to get really, really angry that Nephrite had used something that she felt so strongly about as love to try and hurt people. And again, she just picked uh, the Bride Yoma up over her head and hurled it so hard that it died. (laughs) And then she transformed into Jupiter, and there was no fight with her as Jupiter. Wow. All of her power came directly from her. Um, So for her to just kind of break down and give up because she had been tricked felt like such a disservice uh, to Makoto who is all about hope and love and the idea of the strength from that triumphing kind of no matter what. She's all power, and all of her power comes from the idea of love, be it romantic love or love from friends. Love is a very, very important concept to her. And for someone else to kind of come in and tell her how important love should be to her and not to give up on it, kind of takes away from the power and the faith that makoto is this specific scene was why i was so so excited for this episode because that i that scene is really iconic to me and i think it's really iconic to a lot of other fans and how it was handled here just felt really really wrong to me
0: now do you recall at this time how it happened in the original anime
1: um, I don't actually I wanted to go back and take a look at that but I haven't I hadn't had time this week uh, to actually do it but i I do not recall uh, something like her breaking down I know I do know that in the original series uh, Mako was still very much uh, very all emotion and all power and I think she probably had just defaulted to anger um, but I could be wrong on that I We'll take, go back and take a look at that and see what kind of what comparisons I can make from th- that episode and this one.
0: Okay. Um, all right. And, and we can address that later, but I, I'll be interested to, to know, um, you know, what the difference or, or, you know, if there's a difference and, and how it, it is or what yeah. it is, I guess. Oh, sorry about that. <laughs> no, no problem. Uh, um, sometimes my words fail me. <laughs> Uh, Yeah, you know what, I am not sure I had as much of a problem with it, and maybe because of a lack of context, because I don't know who she is, as well as you do. Um, It was what you described, though, her reaction in the manga, as being sound superior to this. Um, But it's kind of interesting that, you know, I had said earlier, Usagi kind of saved the day by you know embracing makoto but uh i don't think that that should be done too far with any protagonist because then they become this uh you know uber <laughs> person and yeah. uh you know they're the real crux of everything and yeah you know at the end of the episode usagi is told by luna that she needs to be the leader now that there are four of them you know the moon stick comes out uh spoilers that's what it's called <laughs> apparently
1: <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Um I think it's always just called the moonstick or the moon wand.
0: Okay. Yeah. Uh that's a a potential project for, to to make it home one of these days. <laughs> um it's cool. Um anyway, yeah,
1: there are a lot of really good replicas.
0: Yeah, I I saw some, but they're very pricey, so. <laughs> yeah, they are. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so the Moonstick comes out and, you know, Luna says emphatically, you have to be the leader now, you have to embrace this role, and I think it's interesting to have a leader who isn't necessarily the most powerful, but who kind of works as the heart for the team and, and unites everybody, and Usagi seemed to have that role, or has seemed to fulfill that role, uh, but I think this is going too far away from that, um. Probably. Like, I hope with the next... um, It'll be Venus next, right? Yes. Okay. Venus is next. I hope with Venus that Usagi doesn't play an integral role in Venus. Like, helping Venus get over something so that she can, I don't know, prove to Luna that she is uh, worthy of being a a Sailor Guardian. Um, I keep wanting to say Sailor Scout.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, it's... we're, We're both... Americans, that's what we're used to. Yeah, <laughs> that's kind of what it's what it's been for us for twenty years.
0: It's cute and it sounds cool, though. So I, it is. I may just re- I may just default back to it anyway. Um, yeah, so it's interesting. I didn't see your issues with it, but it, it could be he- heading towards dangerous territory just for the characters because we want all of them to shine as much as possible, and this, you know, could. Usagi could be stealing the light a little bit from the other characters, and let's just hope that doesn't happen
1: in the future. Yeah, like like I said, Usagi is the center of everything. Luna telling her she needs to be the leader, Usagi being the one that kind of unites everyone, and that's very important for who Usagi is. But like I said, it really took away from Makuro to give Usagi that moment to give all of the power to someone other than Mako when that should have been her moment. Um, I, Venus is very, very different from the other four. Her storyline uh, is very dramatically different in how that's handled. Uh, so I don't think we there's really that much of a risk there. I think we do have uh, a t- another Tuxedo Mask episode before uh, Venus comes in.
0: Oh yeah, we do, and I'm uh, chomping at the bit to see that.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, so it'll it'll be good to get a little more for hi- from him. Uh, but Venus is very, very different from the other three uh, who we've had come in. So uh, that's a very, very different story there.
0: Okay, uh, let's see. My last point in the meat and veggies section is uh, femininity and love should be sources of strength and are to different people in varying degrees.
1: Yeah, and this is really Makoto's whole message, Uh, as I mentioned. She's all power and strength, to the point where she's kind of embarrassed in some ways about how feminine she really is under it, and how feminine she wants to be. Again, she wants to be a bride. Um, Romance is very, very important to her, clearly. Um, In the first series, the whole, uh, he looks like Senpai is a running joke with her it like it it gets to the point where it's kind of a running joke because she's saying it sort of about everyone where she's more <laughs> in love with the idea of her romance than any one person specifically
0: that's actually really funny
1: yeah it's it is really cute um again it's not really overdone it's just every now and then it comes up and it's just kind of handled in a really cute way where she's just this young girl dreaming of being of her wedding and being in this amazing romance, um, and as the series progresses and she becomes more comfortable, she becomes a lot more comfortable with herself and opens up to how feminine she is. Uh, the one scene that stands out to me that I think of is from one of the movies for the, from the first series, uh, the supers the supers movie, where it opens with everyone. With Makoto teaching everyone to bake cookies in her apartment, it's a it's a really really cute scene. Um, and that movie is doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but is one of the few good things about Supers, in my opinion. It wasn't uh, a stellar season.
0: Well, that's too bad. But at least at least you have that moment, right?
1: Yeah, and I mean there are some good moments in Supers, but I've always. Uh, really loved that movie and really loved that scene so and i think it's just a really good indication of the kind of the change in makoto over time
0: okay let's see uh let's go ahead and move into the frills um so uh usagi feels a little bit like uh proto gentaro from forze to me uh and with her uh, always wearing the moon brooch i can't help but think of comrader wizard um Haruto, uh, and wonder if they borrowed that element from Sailor Moon.
1: I honestly wouldn't be surprised if either consciously or subconsciously uh, these things had been influenced by Sailor Moon and by, and Gentaro by Usagi. Um, since Sailor Moon is such an influence culturally all over the world, but especially in Japan, because that's where it's native to, um, I know Forze's lead, Forze's lead writer uh, has done work with anime. I know he was the lead writer on Gurren Lagann. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if that was something that he was aware of and kind of had in the back of his mind. Uh, I know Sailor Moon set up a lot of important narrative icons that have been used in the 20 years since then. And uh, it's actually pretty cool thinking of something that had such an impact on me 20 years ago what influenced in some way or another something that has such a big impact on me now
0: yeah um a, a little detour that's how i feel about um black rx and uh stingmon from season 2 of digimon i mean i think it's an obvious uh homage
1: yeah i'm I'm not very familiar with Digimon, but I'll take your word for that <laughs>
0: yeah. he, He's a green and black bug guy with big red eyes, so okay yeah no he's, yeah. he's black <laughs> <laughs> uh so that's pretty cool um and then they even have uh in a later season um a guy that's got like a transforming arm and he has a scarf, so I think he's kind of like a um uh writer man slash yeah. generic common rider
1: uh, yeah i know yeah. a lot of series pay homage to common rider all the time uh po- i know pokemon's done it um pretty much everything because again that's such a staple over there
0: right but not to not to get too much into that
1: <laughs> yeah
0: we can discuss not that not to later. deviate
1: too far <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay and then uh you know i uh i love flying rose petal attacks i think they're fantastic Gundam. Yes. Uh, there's one. And this one's awesome. I think this one's better, though, because it's cool. It, like, magically comes out of her the palm of her hand and then just, you know, starts cutting nephrite up.
1: Yes. Um, roses are kind of iconic to Mako. She has the rose earrings, which have always been a symbol with her. Uh, they were kind of one of the first things Usagi noticed about her, one of the first things we see... Before we even see Mako's face uh, is these earrings and the roses on her umbrella. So roses are a big icon with her, and it was really cool to see them kind of implement that in such a way.
0: Okay, uh, and finally, uh, she summons lightning um, and like throws it at people, which is awesome. Uh, so I can see, I've heard that Jupiter is very popular, um, and I can see why.
1: Yeah, uh, she she is a very popular character. Uh, oddly enough, uh, Mako does have two elements, whereas everyone else kind of has one.
0: Oh, that's interesting.
1: Um, a lot of elements come from uh, the Greek and Roman gods related to planets. So um, Makoto has lightning from Jupiter and Zeus, where she has these lightning attacks, which I've never seen her physically grab the lightning and throw it before, and that was... Really cool. <laughs> um, and then she also has wood from the elemental compass. Huh. Um, which is, again, where I think where they're tying the roses in here. Uh, but I know in the first series she had a couple of uh, wood-based attacks.
0: Now, does that mean, like, stuff grows, like wood grows and wraps around people, or...? Uh,
1: no, it was, it was still more of an energy attack. I, the one I remember is Oak Evolution, which I think just kind of threw leaf, leaf-shaped energy at people, okay. if I'm remembering correctly. But uh, she does have two elements, which is different from everyone else, and I think is uh, pretty cool, since everyone else lined up a little more nicely. But it give, gave her a much wider range of attacks, which I thought was pretty cool.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That sounds pretty awesome. And like, I don't know, it was just cool. Yeah. Grabbing lightning is uh, pretty freaking awesome. So yeah, that was cool. (laughs) She kind
1: of went full Zeus there.
0: (laughs) And I guess too, um, the rose petals technically could be seen as wood, like a wood based attack, right?
1: Yeah. It's definitely more of a kind of a natural plant based attack. So I think it ties in there uh, well enough.
0: Okay, and then uh, you and I chatted for just a minute before we hit record, and I was saying that I'm ready for a change in the formula. But you said uh, Sailor Venus's introduction is going to be pretty different. Um, I like that we have the we had the masquerade episode previous to this because it was nice to see. Okay, everybody's together. We know that um, there was a little bit of recapping, but then it went you know, they all went on an adventure. Whereas the introduction episodes. Like by now, by this fourth one, it feels a little tiring, but um like yeah. are still cool elements, but i, I I'm glad f- um Venus is gonna be different
1: yeah it it definitely is more um it was this formula of, okay, here's kind of a socially distressed girl in this magical context. Usagi goes and makes friends with her. We get another member of the team. Uh, I think having the break with the masquerade episode did kind of allow us some breathing room but uh yeah no venus is in a very different context than ami rey and mako so uh she's gonna come in much differently and uh it's that's when we're gonna start pulling heavy into the main story is uh when we when we get venus
0: that's, uh, that's good to hear. Uh, yeah. Do you want to say anything else before we take off? Or
1: um... uh, One thing I did find out recently, um, since we're going 26 episodes, we are apparently going act by act with the manga completely, which means we are actually going to get into the Black Moon arc. Uh, we're going to, we are in this season going to be going into the second arc of the story, uh, beyond uh, Beryl. That's and the and the dark kingdom so i'm I'm pretty excited for that news because that's bringing in a couple more really great characters and I'm excited to see how they do that too
0: hmm. yeah, that's exciting for me just to know that there's that much uh, velocity movement momentum in the story that we're gonna get through um, that we're gonna get through arcs and have a lot of stuff happen uh, because it's so because uh, cause we'll be covering such a, a distance in I don't know, such a length of time. So I mean to say, but um, that's that's pretty awesome.
1: Yeah, no, I was I was really excited to find that out. I'm really pleased that we're going to be going through uh, those two first major arcs, because uh, that's a lot of the stuff that fans really, really remember. And I I think it's good that they're they're bringing us those two arcs. And I really hope that uh, it succeeds enough that we get the full story.
0: Yeah, um, let me see. I I heard recently that, uh, and I didn't actually realize this at first, that Sailor Moon is just airing online, and it isn't um, on TV anywhere yet.
1: Yeah, no, uh, Crystal is only airing online around the world. There's no TV air in Japan. Uh, This is pretty much a worldwide event. Uh, I'm using the term event loosely. But it's a worldwide broadcast that's being done entirely uh, online,
0: and that's really neat. Uh, um, there've been shows like I don't know. There's been Netflix exclusive shows, and um, I don't know, like Jerry Seinfeld's "Comedian Cars," "Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee" is on Crackle, and he has it on his own website. So, uh, as far as I know, um, it's a very different thing, and, and the production costs are way lower on, let's say, that you know Jerry Seinfeld's show, but. Um, He's done it for a couple seasons, and I don't know if those are quarterly seasons or, you know what I mean? I think he's in like his third or fourth, so it'll be interesting to see how well this does, Um, and we also have the Funimation uh, releases, and I wonder, are they gonna, I know we, it's important that everybody supports um, Crystal by watching it on the official channels, but do you think, and I don't know if you'd have any insight into this, so you can just say, I don't know, <laughs> um, that the money that'll be made potentially off of like the new Dove and the Blu-ray releases of um, the original series in Japan, um, which I think is happening now also, um, yes. is that where they're going to make their money for everything? Or, or um, what do you think? That,
1: that and merchandise probably i know they've been uh selling anniversary merchandise since before crystal started airing um so i yeah i assume that all the money coming from this is uh partially ad revenue partially uh dvd blu-ray sales and partially merchandise sales uh just knowing what i do about the industry and about uh kind of online industry
0: uh, because and I, I say that because I, you know, I would like to see this continue, but I'm curious to see how sustainable it'll be, and I wonder almost if this is an experiment. Doing it with something that has such a, I guess, such a history and legacy, and, and has had such a wide fan base for years. Um, if they'll get, I, I mean, how many arcs is the the manga as a whole? Um, is it like a <laughs> hundred?
1: No. Okay. No, the, the manga itself, I think, was only 13 volumes. Okay. So, I mean, I think it's still just the four major arcs.
0: And um, I, I guess I meant acts when I said arcs, so...
1: Oh, at acts total, as in going episode by episode. There's, again, there's 13 volumes, and I think there's five acts per volume. Okay. So, I mean, there's a very finite end. It's not kind of, um... Like a one piece thing, where it's gonna go on for kind of off into the sunset, beyond what we can see. Right. I mean, not no no insult to One Piece. I mean, no insult there. One Piece kind of One Piece is great, as far as I know, um, and deserves to run as long as it has and will.
0: <laughs> it's just funny that something is running running in perpetuity, basically.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Okay,
0: well, um, I guess we should cap it off there then.
1: Uh, yeah, I think that's everything, uh, unless you want me to say anything about me trying to watch the, uh, the dub live stream.
0: Oh, yeah, why don't you go ahead and share, and, um, since I noticed that there's really nobody else doing, uh, (laughs) much Sailor (laughs) Moon discussion, I was actually considering watching the dub and maybe discussing that and seeing some of the differences between this and that. Um, Yeah,
1: I'd be fine doing that.
0: Okay. Uh, So Um, why don't you go ahead and explain your experience?
1: Okay, um, Viz, to premiere their new dub of the first original Sailor Moon series, um, they threw kind of a live stream party on YouTube. Um, They did not expect as much traffic as they got, which I think is Viz's mistake. They should have expected a lot of traffic. This is Sailor Moon. Um, At the time that it started, there was about uh, 2,500 people watching the stream. And it was very, very laggy. It was crashing out. Um, The event was set up as a kind of a dual monitor event where you had to watch the stream on YouTube and then have the dub episode running in another window or on another screen. And I don't think that was a good way to do it. Um, especially since some people don't own two monitors, it made it a little difficult for me. Especially trying to run two videos at once, kind of slowed things down further. Um, the event, in theory, sounded like a lot of fun, but I could only keep thing I could only keep watching for about a half an hour before I had to give up. Um, so I think if they were to do something like this again, if they planned it better, planned for higher traffic. I think it could be a really big success and a whole lot of fun for people. Um, but I think the moonlight party that Viz through this time might have been a little bit of a failed experiment. Uh, the dub itself from what I watched, I watched about half of the first episode, but again I've been very busy this week. Uh, but it lo- the dub itself looks really good. Whoever is voicing Naru, I forget I forgot to look up who did it. Uh, she is spot on. She is delivering her lines perfectly. Um, whoever is voicing Umino, I'm not as fond of, but even within our main cast, Usagi is great, Luna is fantastic, it looks like it's gonna be a really good dub. And as someone who grew up with the original Deke dub, which was a mess, um, it's really good to s to kind of have a new experience kind of with something that's so familiar to me.
0: And there you have it, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I also um, tried to watch um, some of the first episode and I thought it was fine. Uh, I, there was something I noticed, but, uh, now I can't remember what it is, so I'm sorry I mentioned that. Um, maybe next that's time.
1: That's okay. Uh, if you remember what it is, we can do a little discussion on the first episode and what the dub kind of brings to the table, and if you remember, bring it up then.
0: That's true. And maybe we can, um, just for time's sake, slate them for like the extra Monday that appears every now and then.
1: Yeah, that's fine.
0: And maybe we can even double up every now and then. I don't know. We'll see.
1: Yeah. No, that's that's fine by me.
0: Okay. but um. You can all look forward to that, listeners. Uh, yeah. and for now, goodbye.
1: Yeah, see you next time, everyone.
0: This has been Moonspeak, bi-monthly discussion and review of Sailor Moon Crystal. Visit trialofheroes.wordpress.com to see text reviews every Monday after Crystal airs and hear new Moonspeak the Monday after that. Moonspeak is part of the Toe Network, where you can find articles and commentary on pop culture and genre fandom, including our flagship show, Uncommon Cast RX. The opening and closing is a piano arrangement of the uh, new Sailor Moon Crystal song Moon Pride played by Josh Agarado, whose work you can find at josh.agarado.net and also on YouTube. There's a lot of cool work there so go ahead and check it out if you like this song.